0: it's a mailbag monday we've got your questions about the rookie of the year race all of the catchers out in california and a bunch of individual players let's talk about it you are locked on mlb prospects part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, baseball writer for Sports Illustrated, and thank you for making this your first listen. Every single day, and as we do every Monday, all of these questions come from listeners of the show. Very first one actually came the uh, middle of the week last week. We dropped the top 10 debuts in 2022, and he reached out and he said, man, Spencer Strider's not on your list. He's going to be rookie of the year. So, quick clarification: I put it was in the show notes, but Spencer Strider did not debut this year. He debuted last year, so that's why he wasn't eligible for my show because my show, my rules. But he is the favorite for the rookie of the year. So I got some odds from our buddy Jimmy over at Bet Online, and that was actually uh, September first. So before Spencer Strider's most recent start, Uh, Spencer Strider had two to three odds. Uh, to be the National League Rookie of the Year, um, followed by outfielder Michael Harris, also of the Braves, at 11-10 odds. Everyone else is off the board in the National League. It is officially a two-man race. Uh, so, Spencer Strider, 9-4, ERA, 114-2 innings. He's got 174 strikeouts to 38 walks. So, he has a 38.1% strikeout percentage. Uh, which is the highest in Major League Baseball right now, I believe would be one of the highest, if not the highest single season marks in modern baseball. For context, the MLB average right now is 22.8%. So the average MLB pitcher strikes out about one in every four batters that he faces. Um, Spencer Strider strikes out, you know two out of every five. Rounding, rough rounding here. So three and a half WAR right now for the year. If he had been starting to begin the season versus in the in relief, who knows where it would have been. But Strider has been electric, and like we've talked about before, he's doing all of this with two pitches: fastball slider. Um, he has a changeup. He had 16 strikeouts and eight scoreless innings uh, against Colorado on I think Thursday night didn't throw the changeup once. It's literally just fastball slider, fastball slider. It's it's like, what if you take somebody with like who would be an elite closer and just let them start and just let them go as deep as they can in games? And it's working so far. So, wildest thing in the world to me. I mentioned this on Twitter on Thursday night, but we we knew he was good. We didn't know he was this good. Uh, shout out to Jake Mastriani, Locked On Braves. He's been saying he was really, really good. So, shout out to Jake. The other guy, speaking of Jake, Jake was on him early too, Outfielder Michael Harris, so 87 games as of Sunday afternoon, 303, 347, 535, 15 home runs, perfect 16 of 16 on stolen bases. Uh, playing gold glove defense, he's worth about 4.1 WAR right now because of that defense is so good to be you know combining with uh, with the stellar offense, batting average over 300. Doesn't walk a ton. If there's a negative you can give to Michael Harris is that the walks aren't really there yet. But Baton average over 300, very solid player, puts the ball in play, have to be happy there. And either way, Atlanta's going to do well. They're going to receive compensation because they have one and two in the rookie of the year race. Both those guys will receive a, um, a year of service time, although in Michael Harris's case, doesn't matter because he's already signed a long-term contract that can be with team options up to 10 years. Talking about signing a long contract with options in it. The American League Rookie of the Year race is down officially to two people as well. The leader, outfielder Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners, who also signed his own long-term deal. We talked about it last week on, I think, Tuesday's show. Wednesday's show. Because Tuesday was the unionization thing. Uh, two two of 11 odds on Julio Rodriguez. So 116 games this year. Missed some time, middle of the year. I think it was a wrist injury. Uh, 265, 325, 470, 22 home runs, 23 of 29 stolen bases. So he's got a 2020 year right there. Um, I don't think Michael Harris is going to be able to get four more steals and five more home runs by the end of September. I could be wrong. But so I think Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt will be your two 2020 guys uh, from the rookie class. And playing very good defense in center field, obviously he was an all-star, you know, and has signed the big deal. Behind him in the odds, and the only other person on the board, Bobby Witt has been taken off the board, uh, It's catcher Adley Rutschman. So 84 games for Baltimore, 247, 355, 435. Nine home runs, three of three on stolen bases. And as we talked about, I think it was last week on on Wednesday, doubles machine, walks machine. The home run power is going to continue to come in. He's worth 3.8 war because he's played good defense. He's hit well. And that doesn't even quantify the impact that he's had on the pitching staff and what he's done for the pitchers. I'm trying to, I couldn't find the exact stat today. I saw it floating around just the other day. But I believe the Orioles pitching staff is about one run better in ERA with Adley Rutschman versus anybody else on the roster. So obviously, huge impact there. And those two guys together are the front runners in the American League and the only people still left on the board. Uh, I polled the listeners of the show. I polled the prospectors on Twitter. Um, and the prospectors voted Spencer Strider and Julio Rodriguez as your players of the year. So let's see if those predictions are correct or if Harris and Rutschman can pass them. I think unless Strider keeps going out and doing double-digit strikeouts every outing, I think the voters are going to lean towards the everyday player and Michael Harris. I could be wrong, but that's kind of where I feel like it's going to be. Although I had that opinion. I've had that opinion now for a few weeks. And I think that an outing like six, like eight innings, two hits, no runs, 16 strikeouts with no walks, like what Strider did last Thursday night could sway that in his favor. Also question from John via email. And thank you for the very nice note, John. I appreciate it. Asked about Philly's prospect, Carlos de la Cruz. And like, said he's not in the top 30 list, haven't heard a lot about him, and with the lack of talent in the system, you think he'd be ranked. So what's going on? Uh, Carlos De La Cruz, interesting player, so uh, was signed in 2018 as an IFA, or t- technically 2017, debuted in 2018, um, and has spent this year divided between high A and double A. So he's one of those prospects that kind of took a step back after losing 2020. 2019, he was in low A, 220, 271, 327, lost 2020, 2021 had to start over, re like went back to rookie ball and then back to low A and then some in high A. And I think the reason you haven't heard a lot about him until this year is the power really wasn't there. So 6'8", 210, you feel like you would hear a lot about his power, but 33 career home runs, 15 of those are this year so his his slugging going into this year had never been above four hundred and anything above rookie ball. Um like you like no there was correction there was one really small sample size in high a in twenty twenty one but for the most part, slugging was pretty low and on base wasn't great either. His on base, usually with the exception of rookie ball, hovered around three a uh, little under three hundred, and his slugging hovered. You know, somewhere in the threes or twos. This year he's kind of put it together. Um, 270, 36, 473, 15 home runs. Again, a classic case of a guy that lost development, needed a little bit more time. I think that if he continues to do this the rest of the year, now that he's in now that uh he is in double A and then looks good in instructs, you'll see him on the top 30 to open next year. In just a minute. I want to talk about all the catchers for the California teams. There's a lot of catching prospects as well as how do you value a player when you're considering changing their position. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn Talent Solutions. As you gear up for fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to help you make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And that's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. Every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnMLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Okay, so a couple questions here. Alexander and Tyler both sent me emails and I put them in the same segment because they're about the same general topic, which is catchers in California. So Alexander starts off, he's like, why are the Oakland Athletics loading up on catchers? and by that they've got Sean Murphy at the big league level who is uh an above average catcher at the major league level. They've got Shay Langoliers, who just debuted and Alexander cleverly calls Bangaliers cuz he said a couple home runs already. They've got Tyler Soderstrom, uh one of their top prospects in the in the minors and they drafted Arizona catcher Daniel Susak in the 1st. And so Why load up on all of these catchers? And I think there's a couple reasons for that. Uh, One, catcher is one of those positions with an unusually high uh, bust rate. Like a lot of catchers just don't uh, don't pan out both ways. Either the defense isn't there, or they can, they're good, you know, and then you have to move them to DH or off the position, or they can they're a great catcher they're good defensively but offensively they can't hit and so they can they can't be more than a number 2 and on the note of number 2 i think another reason is most teams use two catchers like you always carry two catchers uh and you will use both catchers regularly now the the time split may be different you know in his prime yadier molina caught 85% of the games for the cardinals but There was a second catcher there. Uh, Look at the the team like the Braves right now. I talk about them a lot, I know. Heads up, they're this week's Farm Friday. But um, the Braves have Travis Darno and they have William Contreras. And both these guys hit well enough to make the All-Star game. Contreras as a DH uh, and Darno as a catcher. And so... Like they find ways to get that second bat in the lineup, but they have two catchers they're comfortable with when somebody gets injured, somebody gets hurt, you still have a guy you can lean on offensively, and then you can give a little bit of, of um a little bit of at bats and uh, of games to catch to a veteran backup who's there for defense and game calling. So I think that's part of it. Um, and then the other part is just like when it comes to, to Susak especially, that's how the board broke out. In the first round, we don't really look at position more so than the talent. And Susak, they thought, was the best player available to them. So they took him. Uh, and 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 so part of it is that, and part of it is also trades. There are so many teams that, and the next question is about the Angels and about their catching situation, and they're an example. Not everybody can develop a catcher. And so if you can have two above average to really good catchers, you can either do like Toronto's doing this year and you have them both. You play them all the time. You DH the other one, or like Atlanta's doing, you DH the other one um, and you get a lot of offensive production out of it. Or you can trade the second one to get something else that your organization values. And you can find a system that doesn't have a lot of catching talent, that doesn't develop catchers that well and give them an almost finished product. Uh, On the note, of the athletics, he asked, does Tyler Soderstrom moving to first base hurt his value? And I think yes, but also no. So it hurts his value in that first base is statistically the least valuable defensive position. Um, It is, I'm not going to say it's the easiest, but it is the least technically involved position to play in the field. So moving a catcher to first base hurts the value as far as how much defense can they bring to impact the game. The difference for Tyler Soderstrom versus other players is his bat is so much more advanced than his abilities as a his defensive abilities as a catcher that you may be able to see him earlier now if he's not playing first base. I'm sorry, if he's not catching if he's playing first base. Where if he's playing first base, you may be able to get him up in 2023. If he's catching, you're probably looking at he needs the entire season in the minors in 2023, and now you're looking at sometime in 2024, he's going to come up and be useful. So, less value that they can add with the defense at first base versus catcher, but can getting up a year earlier and a year of offensive production, can that offset the total value over the the, the term of his career in Oakland? It might be able to, depending on how quickly he starts uh, and and how much he would have played catcher in Oakland with uh, Murphy and Langoliers there right now. So, interesting there. And then the question was, can he hit enough for average with a high enough on-base percentage to play? average yes i think he's one of the better hitter for hitters for average in this entire Oakland system on base percentage remains to be seen there's a little bit of work to do there uh not quite not quite settled yet but uh definitely something where i mean he's got like what a 290 on base in aa right now um career is 342 he's a little under where he's been but time for that to get better and he absolutely can um can hit well enough. The only question we have again is: is the on base percentage enough to play? And it needs to be higher at first base because that's a position where you can't contribute that much with your defense. And then uh, catcher Logan O'Hop. Tyler emailed about speaking of catchers. Emailed about Logan O'Hop for the for the Angels and said, "What's the ETA on him?" So quick reminder. Uh, Logan Ohop is a 23rd rounder of the Phillies in 2018, and he was traded uh, from the Phillies to the Angels this year for Brandon Marsh. So, he, uh, Ohop's current... I'm probably saying it wrong. It's probably Ohoppy, um, knowing my luck. Uh, he's currently in double A with the Rocket City Trash Pandas. 270, 466, 667. Now, small sample size, 19 games. He's got eight home runs. He definitely is prepared to be in AAA. He does not need to be in AA anymore. AA with reading in the Phillies organization before he got traded all season. 275, 392, 496 with 15 home runs uh, and th- and uh, 27 stolen bases. I'm sorry, sorry. 27 extra bases, six of eight on stolen bases. 27 stolen bases for a catcher would have been ridiculous. Six of eight stolen bases, 27 extra base hits. Um. I think the ETA here is probably early next year. He's got good offense. He's got better defense. And we just talked about the Angels not necessarily having uh, catchers that they can trust. They have not developed a catcher in that system in, what, 20, 30 years? It's been a while. And so uh, I absolutely think that you could see him early next year. You might see him compete for the job out of spring training. It's probably going to end up being the Super 2 deadline unless... He builds a rapport with some of the pitching staff. I'm thinking about Otani and Sandoval. If he can build a rapport with them in spring training and they want him catching their games, he'll get called up uh, he'll break camp with the team. So we'll see what happens. But I expect him sometime early next year. Uh, probably won't make it to AAA this year. He'll probably just uh, go back, either go to AAA out of spring training next year, get called up after the Super 2 deadline, or he'll go straight to the bigs next year. Uh, other question was Kai Bush. Uh, what's the projection and what's the ETA on Kai Bush? So, second rounder, 2021, uh, out of St. Mary's. He's a lefty, six six two forty. He's a big boy. He's also in Rocket City right now. Nineteen games, three forty two ERA, ninety two innings, ninety two strikeouts, twenty seven walks. So, think with Kai Bush here, projection wise. Uh, somewhere between a number three and a number four. And I think it depends on the secondary. So the fastball, uh, 94 to 96. It's got good late life to it. I really like the fastball. Um, the slider, above average, more of a vertical dropping slider than a horizontal sweeper. But I think it's a good pitch as well. I'd call it above average. Uh, the issue is the curveball and the changeup. Curveball is really slow. Um, change, both fringy pitches. And so, again, good velocity for a lefty, good slider. If he can figure out one of those secondaries to get it to at least average, I think he's probably number three. If not, he's a number four to a number five. So you got to figure out, and it doesn't have to be amazing. You just have to have enough confidence and control of it to keep hitters honest. You can make a living as a fastball slider guy. Spencer Strider. Not saying Kai Bush will be Spencer Strider, but Spencer Strider is a guy that's making it work with just two pitches. Now he has more velo. He's a righty, but he has more velo. Uh, the slider is better than Kai Bush's slider. But he's in that same profile of, I have two good pitches, and then I can throw a third one to keep them honest. So if Kai Bush can do that, I could see him um, being a number four, number five backer to of the rotation guy, it just depends on can he figure those out. As far as when he'll debut, depends how long it takes them to figure those out. Uh, could be next year, later in the year. I think second half of the year if they're st- if they're still contending, if they're still in it, uh, and they need some pitching help, see him in the second half of the year next year. Especially if he does work in the off season on those secondaries. We'll see what happens. In just a minute, I've got a bunch of individual player capsules to kind of go through and talk about right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. Okay, so Jackson on YouTube, right uh, there listening to the show, washer of the show, I guess, hits YouTube, always has a bunch of guys that he's curious about, and I'm still trying to figure out what the connection is with these guys. But um, I went through the list, got a couple of them. We have a, some time for a few of these, kind of rapid fire. So he asked about, first one is Dodgers second baseman Michael Bush. Um first rounder 2019, six foot 207, went to college at University of North Carolina, been in AAA most of the year. Spent the first third of the year, 30 games in, in Tulsa and then went to Oklahoma City. 265, 336, 470, 17 home runs, 40 extra base hits, three of five stolen bases. Um, I think he's one of the better hitters for average. He was batting 306 in double A when they moved him up. Uh the thing here, really smooth hitter should have a good average in the big leagues. Power, I don't know exactly what he's going to do. Probably above average. Not a foul pole to foul pole guy, very much a left center to right center. Um, I do think he needs to be, and it's kind of selective, but when he gets, when he's not focused in on being deliberate about his approach, he gets a little too passive at the plate and gets behind in counts. Um, defensively, his range is kind of, uh, not great. He can, he can make the routine plays, but you're going to have to give him some help with shifts and things like that. Part of the talk is we're not going to have shifts next year. So what does that do to him? His arms below average, the range is limited. So makes me wonder how that's going to play. Uh, you do have a decision to make on Trey Turner, uh, and and so, if Trey Turner does not resign, you're looking at Gavin Lux or a free agent may be your shortstop. And so, if Gavin Lux is your shortstop, Michael Bush looks like he might be your second baseman uh, coming out of camp and or competing with Max Muncy for the job. Obviously, Max Muncy can play first, second, and third. Miguel Vargas has been called up. He plays third as well. We don't think the desiccated corpse of Justin Turner is going to come back. So... Uh, where does he do, where is his job? I don't know. He's already 24. It feels like you need to find a way to promote him and give him a shot at the big leagues this upcoming year, or he needs to get traded and move out of the system. There's just not, it's it, it's hard to keep a guy too long in the minors. Uh, granted, you've got a little bit of time on his player contract still, but figure out what to do with him. So, okay, that one took too long. A lot of these are going to be shorter. Uh, left-hand pitcher Doug Nikhazy of the Guardians. 2021 second rounder out of Mississippi. Only six foot tall, smaller guy. To me, pitched pretty well in high A this year. 21 games, 319 ERA, 118 strikeouts and 93 innings. The issue here, 68 walks. So um, he already doesn't have, you know, he, he he's doesn't have great velo. He sits around 90, 91. Now he can run it up in shorter stents. He can run it up 94, 95, things like that. Uh, but, um, he's got, he does well despite the lower velo because he's coming straight over the top with it. And so the angle is a little unusual. And then, uh, it's got a lot of, it's got like really good spin to it. And so it has a lot of late life, especially up in the zone. Like we talk about all the time. um, if he can get a little more velo and then can cut down on some of the walks, I see him as a guy who can contribute and Cleveland can use him in the, at the big league level, especially as you may have some questions about some of these pitchers and whether or not you're going to have them next year, whether it's injury or contract status. It would be useful to know that he's on his way. He would not come up next year, but he's on his way. Just a question of can you get some more velo out of him? I'm not sure. He's six foot two oh five. Not a huge guy. So question there raise right fielder nico Holsizer. we rarely talk about guys being right fielders versus outfielders but definitely situation where that's happened so 2018 18th rounder out of moorhead state um and 6'2, 225 big guy you gotta have we talk about it in every every just about every week you Every system's got to have that power guy. This is one of the power guys. 6'2, 225. Um, so far this year at Double A Montgomery, 60 games, 263, 355, 522. Hit 15 home runs and 29 extra base hits. Absolutely wild. This year in Durham, nine games, very small sample size. So that's why I gave you Montgomery first 179, 303, 321. Um, one home run. And one double to give him two extra base hits. Again, small sample size. But the issue here is the strikeouts. So in Montgomery, in those 61 games, struck out 90 times. So um, he's stuck in, a, in the corner already because of an average arm and average speed. The arm's good enough to play right. He's not pigeonholed and left. But average arm, average speed. So he's got to cut down on the strikeout so that that power can play. Uh, He feels like he's going to be one of those lower batting average, decent power number guys if he works. And I think about like Mike Zunino, the catcher for the Rays last year. Batting average was maybe just under 200, but he also hit like 30 bombs. Uh, Holtziger very much feels like that situation to me if he can cut down the strikeouts. Dodgers left fielder. Ryan Ward 511 200 2019 eighth rounder out of Bryant College which I think that's in Massachusetts I'm not 100% sure but very pure hitter so I mean just when you watch him play his swing his left-handed swing is a thing of beauty it is gorgeous Um, right now in double-a Tulsa been there all year 103 games 260 322 506 27 home runs, 44 total extra base hits, uh, very you know 94 strikeouts in 103 innings. So less than one. A, I'm 103 games, less than one a game. Love that. The issues you have here: number one, he is below average defensively, both uh, speed and arm. And two, there are so few places to play in Los Angeles. For the Dodgers. We just talked about this with Michael Bush. So defensively, he's stuck at either DH or left field. And then offensively, he's not quite. I mean, he's in double A all year. I'd expect him, I would have made him a late season call-up at triple A, but the Dodgers didn't really move a lot of guys up, so there wasn't space to do that. Probably gonna be in triple A next year. Question: Can he keep the batting average high? I think he can. And then can he work on the defense enough where he could contribute and not be a a drag at the major league level? I don't know. I think that if they want to use him at DH, he's a candidate to get called up next year and to play some DH with an occasional here and there and left. But he's not here for defense. He's here for offense. He's here to hit the ball. Uh, Last couple guys, real quick. Oakland Athletics right-hand pitcher Jeff Criswell. So... Um, fastball slider changeup guy. I think the changeups, one of the better changeups in the entire system, 6'4", 225, big guy, second rounder in 2020 out of Michigan, uh, struggles with walks, right? So walks almost four guys per nine innings. He's got 99, um, and two thirds innings pitched this year, and he's got 39 walks. So struggles with walks. And then his mechanics aren't quite consistent, from pitch to pitch, from outing to outing, and the delivery's full of effort. And so, reliever risk, we talked about that last Monday. A little bit of reliever risk there with Jeff Criswell. But again, best changeup in the system. Love watching that. And then last one, White Sox right fielder Micker Adolfo. First fully healthy year he's had since 2017. So, that's a big part of it. 6'4", 255. He's a big, big guy. Was signed way back in like 2014. Um so he is actually, I mean, he's been part of the system for n- nine years now. Um, massive raw power. Every every organization's got this guy. Massive raw power. Good defense. Strong arm in right field. Has to cut down on the strikeouts. Same thing here. I mean, third uh, was it twelve? Only twelve home runs, but has the potential to hit a lot of home runs. Eighty four games. Issue, isn't it, in, in the eighty four games? Hundred nine strikeouts. Now. He got his K rate below 30% last year. So, better. He's getting better at it. It's taking a while. He's getting better. He's 25 now in AAA. Um, Again, great raw power, good defense, strong, strong arm in right field. Just can't strike out so much. Reminds me a lot, not a comp, reminds me a lot of Yasiel Puig. We've made that comparison a couple times with different guys on this show. Uh, Great week this week. Lots of fun stuff coming up. If you've watched this long in the video, do us a favor and subscribe if you're on YouTube. really does help the show a ton. Um, If you're in audio, share it with one of your friends. Let them know, hey, I enjoy this podcast. You should listen to it. Uh, Tomorrow, we're going to talk top 10 catchers in baseball. You'll hear a couple of these names again. But until then, this has been Locked on MLB Prospects. Um.